Hello, Dark Humor fans. It is the Killer Music Podcast, Episode 2. I'm your host, Mortimer Bustos, and my co-host... Paul. Schleichtholz. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to avoid that, but okay. It's okay. You're, you got a cool last name you got to say it every time. <laughs> Schleichtholz. Right. It's so good. Um, I, I should also explain what it means. Explain what it means, please. It, it's... Um, Schlicht means hard or dense, and Holtz is wood. Ah. So my last name's basically hard wood. The chicks dig it. My last name either means tits. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, or because yeah, of Bustos. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. Or I don't understand how it changes, but uh, the, uh, the other meaning is meadow, hmm. a, a nice meadow. Hmm. I think tits is more appropriate, yeah, though, super for cool. sure. <laughs> Anyway, this week we have a really, I'm really excited about this episode, being it's our second one, which is exciting in itself, being that it's now 2020. Oh yeah, Happy well, New Year, by the way. Happy New Year, my friend. Uh, what'd you do for New Year's? Just hung out at Sky Bar. <laughs> my lady had to work, so I just waited there till she got off. <laughs> Actually, I got to smooch her at midnight, so that was cool, and then oh. she went back to work. <laughs> we got a... Uh, bottle of champagne, a couple of beers. We yeah. drank the champagne and uh, went to sleep watching Forensic Files, nice. bef- like at around 11. Oh, really? Yeah. Didn't fi- even stay up for Totally that. lame, right? Yeah. No, 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 I mean, I've, I've done that before. It was, it was great. It was great. Yeah. The next day we had a blast, and then we went to uh, Chef Wang's nice. and had their, their meat pie, which is really crazy good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't. We were hungover the next day, so we didn't do shit. <laughs> yeah. It's getting really old. <laughs> yeah. Hungover. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it, is, it gets a little um, a little old. So how's everybody doing? I hope everybody had a great New Year's Day and Eve and everybody's safe. But let's uh, get into some dark material here. This is, this episode is going to be the serial killer rock So many people have referred to the 1970s as the golden age of serial killers. I think this is true in a media frenzy sense. Let's face it, people have been killing people since the dawn of people. We love that stuff. And as you know, I assume there are some people out there that really love it. So we're going to start this off first with a list of a few serial killers and what they like to rock out to. And uh, since we're going to go be going digging a little deep this episode about Mr. Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night Stalker, um, we're going to start off with a little uh, piece on Richard Ramirez. Excuse the paper thing. I have actually have a script here today. Believe that shit. <laughs> nice. You came prepared. I came prepared. I pulled this off the internet, uh, a little article by a guy named Drew Ailes, and he had a nice, tidy little list. But... uh what did these serial killers like to put in their ear holes and rock out to? What stimulated them? What, uh, what, what, what really flipped their triggers? And we're going to start off with none other than Richard Nunez Ramirez. Otherwise known as the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez died in 2013 from blood cancer while on death row. Ramirez was an infamous was infamous for the horrible and violent rampages he committed in Southern California in the 1980s. He claimed to be a Satanist, shouting, Hail Satan! And display, he displayed an inverted pentagram drawn on his hand in the middle of his trial. 
once while he was being <laughs> once while he was being a horrible piece of shit and invading people's houses and terrorizing the, terrorizing them he left an ACDC baseball cap at the scene of the crime here we go some speculate that his method of home invasion and murder were inspired by the ACDC song Night Prowler which we'll go into later on in this episode anyway who do you got Oh, I thought we were just talking about Richard, but I mean, we can talk about. No, we're gonna go. We're gonna go into that a little later. What you got, Paul? I got some uh, David Parker Ray, your favorite. The toy box killer. Mm-hmm. What a disgusting human piece of shit. He would kidnap women, rape them, force them into sex slavery, and even make some victims have sex with dogs. Some victims were killed or mutilated afterwards, while others were drugged and dropped off on the side of the road. What he loved, he was a massive fan of metal, any kind of metal. He was even being known for torturing women while blasting metal from a boombox. And which is what I was going to say, like, you would think that a psycho piece of shit serial killer person (laughs) would be into that crazy aggressive music, right? Oh, absolutely. So um, a lot of the bands that serial killers loved were, in fact, from the metal genre, but there are a few, like um, like Eileen Rurnos, who, um, you know her, right? Of she's course. The, she's the one of the most famous serial killers to ever live. Definitely one of the most famous female serial she killers. She had the movie made with Charlize Theron. Amazing. And, um, well, she was a big fan of Natalie Merchant and 10,000 Maniacs. She, she was Natalie Merchant in Ten Thousand yeah, Maniacs? Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. I don't listen. Don't listen to too much pop stuff. I used to. I used to like them. Uh, what like what did they, they sing? It's only happy. I'm only happy when it rains. Maybe. Okay. Uh, I don't even remember <laughs> what their song, what their like number one hit with a bullet was. But she she loved them so much. She requested Carnival to be played at her wake. Okay. Well, I got uh, I got some good stuff. I got a lot of friends in the Chicagoland area. And uh, we'll go next with uh, the killer clown, Mr. John Wayne Gacy. Scumbag. <laughs> John Wayne Gacy was an evil fuckhead who dressed up like a clown. He murdered young men, and he was a pudgy. He was very pudgy, and he liked Kentucky Fried Chicken. While awaiting his execution, he replied to a survey someone sent to him and stated that he looked up to JFK and William S. Burroughs, and he enjoyed the music stylings of REO Speedwagon. Mm-hmm. He must have heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from another. <laughs> I've been killing guys and stashing them under my floorboards. <laughs> yep. I heard he was also admitted to being a fan of Neil Diamond and Bob Dylan. I didn't know that. He liked uh, the wordsmith there. Yeah. And he didn't just like KFC. He was a franchise owner. He owned one of the franchises. That was his last meal. Was it? Yeah, his last meal was like a big bucket of KF- <laughs> KFC and some Kool-Aid or something like that. So he, he and he ate that stuff. Yeah, he was he was a horrible person. All right, he yeah. There's we're not glorifying any of these people. Hence, by calling them pieces of shit when we start. <laughs> <laughs> Total pieces of shit, absolutely having no control over, no impulse control, which would be, I think, the, the, the kind way of saying this. Um, Wayne Williams, are you familiar with Mr. Wayne Williams? Wayne Williams, no. 
Well, he, I do believe, um, killed... He was the Atlantic Atlanta child murderer. He had a little reign in uh, the late 70s. Well, I'll read a little bit about it. One of the most notorious child killers in history is Wayne Williams, a music promoter from Atlanta, Georgia. Williams was sent to jail for the murder of two adults. However, he was believed to have been the source of at least 23 of the 28 murders of young African Americans from 1979 to 1981. Williams has always maintained his innocence in the connection with the child murders and has insisted, along with others, that his implication was a conspiracy and that the killings were associated with the KKK. A DNS, DNA test in, in 2007 pointed further evidence linking Williams to the murder of an 11-year-old boy named Patrick Baltazar. In 1995, Wayne Williams replied to a letter sent to him while he was in prison asking for sealed cassette tapes. First on the list was B.B. King and Bobby Blue Bland. I like, to, I like to live the love. And followed by the soul singer Tyrone Davis and blues singer ZZ Hill. He had a little taste. I mean, that stuff was pretty good. Yeah, but then he was like murdering African-American people. <laughs> he would love their music, but then kill them. Kill the kids. <laughs> Yeah. It's fucking weird. All right, you're next, pal. What you got? How about uh, Luke Magnata? Luca Magnata. Yes, yeah. I've heard of him. He's, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say piece of shit after every serial killer, but <laughs> all these people are such. He was a big, big douchebag. Yeah, he was like an internet asshole, wasn't he? He was, he was an aspiring male model with a horrific secret. The fact that he loved to kill and eat other men. Hmm. <laughs> He sent the body parts of one of his victims, a Chinese exchange student, to the Canadian government. That, that's pretty much a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's rubbing it in. So an international manhunt ensued, and Magnata responded by posting videos while he was on the lam. I just watched, there's a huge thing on, on Netflix about him right now called Don't Fuck With Cats. Oh really? I saw that. I didn't. I didn't know that was about him. Yeah, that's about him and the piece of shit like suffocating the cats inside of one of those oh, uh, suction bags oh. for food. It's horrible. That is horrible. What the hell? He's a horrible, horrible person. Yeah, and he's like kind of an internet troll. Oh, ugh. well, he liked Madonna. <laughs> of all the bands serial killers loved, this one might be the most shocking. Until you hear why. Magnata idolized Madonna and wanted to be as famous as her. <laughs> oh, no shit. Yeah. Well, he's famous in a different way. Yep. A little sicko. Okay. I got next is a pretty famous one. This is uh they they've got a great documentary about him on I think you'll find it on YouTube or on Netflix possibly. Or definitely Amazon Prime. I know, I'm a scumbag, I've got Amazon Prime. I got it too. Okay, Man, sorry. I like I don't like going to the store. I suck. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm lazy. What do you, what do you want? <laughs> I'm lazy. Here's what we left our future generations with a lazy bunch of Gen Xers that like uh, shop on Amazon. Anyway, this next guy is a big fat blinking troll who's I. If you see this, if you see this documentary, this guy's eyes blink like seven thousand times a second. It's enough to give somebody epilepsy, to, to, or to, to cause an epileptic seizure. Right. Anyway, 
I don't really know what to think about this, and it almost seems too unbelievable to be true. One of the most evil serial killers ever being a fan of one of the, one of the most evil musicians around. I'm not going to go to too much detail on the guy that Arthur Shawcross likes, because his crimes are so disturbing and heinous. I'm also not going to give you too much detail about who his favorite. Guess who his favorite was? Oh, I, I don't. It's hilarious. Ozzy. No, no, Ozzy's a, a phony uh, evil guy, where this guy was not. That would be Gigi Allen. Oh. And all I can say to sum it up about John the, about Gigi Allen is they did used to visit John Wayne Gacy in prison. <laughs> Aww. And he ate and threw his own feces at people in the audience. And he chronically masturbated in front of people. He literally was a scumfuck, though. He was. He was real. He was a real deal. There's no There's no doubting. He was in the band, The Scumfucks. <laughs> I thought it was the Murder Junkies. Yeah, he's, in, he's been in a bunch of bands. Scumfucks, oh. Murder Junkies. <laughs> I heard that, uh, yeah, that Dee Dee Ramone, after he quit the Ramones, was, did a stint with the Murder Junkies. Oh, yeah. And uh, he couldn't handle it. said the fuckers were crazy, whipping bottles of beer out the window and hitting pedestrians. Yeah, they would, like, fucking shoot heroin in their cock veins, man. <laughs> <laughs> they were fucking nuts, dude. Yeah, that's a little much. That's a little, a little much. Yeah, it's like, and it's shooting at some heroin in my oh, cock my vein. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, well, the, in the, the shit part, I mean, how could you be in a band where you got some guy just slathering himself in his own shit yeah. and whipping at the crowd? Dude, I couldn't handle the smell. I'd yeah, just be puking either. all the time. Yeah. I can't handle it. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be able to handle it. There's no fucking way me I could either. handle it. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, all all like punk rock aside, that's it's taking it a little too far. How about Vicky Don Jackson? Never heard of her. She was one of many hospital workers who acts as an angel of death. Or a person who knowingly poisons their patients. Okay. Other such examples have been caught in Germany, Russia, and random parts of America. Jackson was extremely bloodthirsty and even took her killings out of work. One of her victims died when she decided to visit the local honky-tonk. What uh, Vicky Don Jackson loved? Being from Texas and having murdered one of her victims at a honky-tonk, it's safe to say that she was a major country music man. This just goes to show that not all the bands that serial killers loved or metal or Madonna. Yeah, yeah. Like we were talking about last week is like you can you can get uh, you you're saying the suicide rates of country of mm-hmm. people who listen to country music are higher. Yeah. Well, they also didn't just feel bad about themselves; they felt bad about other people and killed them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, we're gonna do one of the most famous, most infamous people in the world from. Uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Everybody knows. Everybody's favorite was murdered in prison by an inmate with a mop handle. None other than Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer was a man from Milwaukee who worked in a chocolate factory. Sorry about the script, guys, but I'm doing it here. He raped and murdered 17 men over a period of 13 years. Sometimes he disintegrated them in acid. While Dahmer was the subject of songs by metal bands such as Blood Duster and Slayer, he also spawned a concept album by the band Macarb. Oddly enough, Dahmer himself was also a fan of heavy metal. Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? 
A former barracks roommate of his in the Army described him as a likable guy. That is, until he started drinking martinis and blasting Black Sabbath 8-tracks. I think that's the only part about him I would like. I was like, it's okay. That he had Black Sabbath 8-tracks? That's kind of cool. <laughs> do, do, do. Finished with my... Woman. <laughs> <laughs> I hated 8-tracks because if you skip the next track, it goes to like the middle of the song. <laughs> or it would fade in to the middle of the song. Yeah. Are we aging ourselves here? Are we showing Probably. it a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Charles Manson. He was a music fan. He loved music. He was a musician. Mm-hmm. Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter, a song about a roller coaster. Or was it a song about the roller, a roller coaster? Or was it a song about a black revolution and the end of the world? Hmm. <laughs> I didn't hear that theory. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what Charles Manson kind of thought. It was he was gonna yeah start up a race right. war yeah, yeah, and, and right. yeah, and they were gonna move to the center of the earth or something like that with his family and hide until everybody killed themselves. Then they'd come scurrying to the to the land again to rule victorious overall. <laughs> yeah. It totally sounds legit. I don't see how it couldn't work. <laughs> Yeah, he actually made music himself too, which is I actually have one of his albums. It's kind of cool. It's it's like real folky and uh, trippy. Have you heard it? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, my I have a friend that turned me on to those guys to Manson family a long time ago, and my favorite song. I don't know if it's on yours, but uh, I'll be scratching my name in your tombstone. I don't know. Man. That's it's a it's a classic album. cut, yeah, yeah. and there's Garbage Dump. That's his most famous. There's song. a lot of cool ones. Yeah. I can't remember the names of them right now, though. And he he got a s- song stolen from him by the Beach Boys. Oh yeah, he's there. I heard he was like personal friends with the Beach Boys. Just uh, really one of them. He was a friend of. Was uh, it um, the main guy? No, no, no. It wasn't Wilson. It was it was a Wilson, I think. Uh, Dennis Wilson, the drummer. Oh. oh okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was fans of him. But let's uh, go into what was his favorite jam, there, brother. Well, besides the Beatles, obviously, he loved the Beatles. Um, I hear he was also a huge fan of the Bee Gees, the Mamas and the Papas, Neil Young, and, you know, musicians along those lines. He was also an avid musician. Oh, God. <laughs> I just said that he was a musician. That's okay. Well, his uh, favorite album, or, or what he's most inf- the most infamous thing, is that he uh, loved the White Album. Yeah by the Beatles and thought that was sending all kinds of groovy messages to his followers. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, yeah, he thought the songs were telling him something and telling him to start this revolution that I just talked, crazy revolution I just talked about. And uh, the song Piggies was, that's why the word pig was written in blood mm-hmm. on the wall at Sharon Tate's place. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, what a piece of shit. And I'm going to say that I, although I found his music entertaining, he's absolutely not good. <laughs> and his yeah. voice is not good. Yeah, and yeah. his lyrics are really grade school. Yes. Grade school, even a little creepy, but very grade school. Yes. <laughs> did you see the, the the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I did. I yeah. loved it. You loved it? I loved it. it was, uh... I like revision, his revisionist history thing. Yeah. He's having fun with that. I like the flamethrower in the pool. Thing. It made me kind of happy because the whole time I was expecting <laughs> the the actual outcome, and I was like, oh, God, I don't want to see this yeah. pregnant lady get killed. Yeah. I really don't. 
and then it switched it around. The, the can of dog food was awesome. Yep. Yeah, that whole scene was awesome. Yeah, that was great. That made the whole mo- the, yeah. the movie was good, but that really made the movie. It totally did. Yeah. What a what a outstanding finish. Yep. To a film, go see it. What is it called again? Once upon a time in Hollywood. Once, a, once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, I think I'm at the end of my list. Do you got anybody else? Uh, well, we can talk about um, Anthony. Oh, you're talking about Tony Shore. Or Anthony Allen Shore. Okay, I'm gonna let. Uh, are you pulling this off the wiki? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna let you tell our listeners a little bit about this um, horrible, mm-hmm. disgusting, herpy scab of a human being, and uh, yeah, tell us tell us a little bit about him, and I, I'll I'll tell you a story. Anthony Allen Shore was an American serial killer and child molester who was responsible for the murder of one woman and three girls. He was active from 1986 to 2000 and became known as the tourniquet killer because of his use of a ligature with either a toothbrush or bamboo stick to tighten or loosen the ligature. The instrument was similar to a twitch, a tool used by farmers to control horses. Shore was sentenced to death in 2004 and executed by lethal injection in January 18th, 2018, just yeah, two years ago. Yeah. Wow. Um, there's a bunch of information about the his... I don't want to go into details about, yeah, about his of, kills. Um, yeah. Well, here's the interesting thing about Anthony Allen Shore, yes, and I don't even me. think you knew this about me until today. <laughs> um, I lived in Texas, in Houston, Texas, after my father died, and I went there to take care of his estate, and I decided to stay, so I got a job from one of my father's friends who had a concrete business, and uh, I went and worked out there, and who else was working there but Tony Shore, <laughs> and he was the, basically the supervisor, and it was just he and I, and that's pretty much it as the crew, and we worked together for, oh, about a year and a half, Every day, right next to this guy, had no idea it was a serial killer, folks. He didn't act like creepy or no, anything? No. Whenever I moved back into Illinois in 2000, I got a phone call in 2003 from the prison. as a collect call. And I'm, no, not a, no, this is, I'm sorry, I'm messing this up a little bit. My uncle called me and said, do you remember your friend Tony? I was like, yeah, yeah, he was like my best friend. It, Texas and he's like yeah I think he might be a serial killer I'm like what the fuck? okay so I uh, went and googled him up and checked it out and sure enough he had just gotten arrested thanks to DNA forensics because he had been killing since the 80s yeah and uh, he was my best friend when I lived in Texas and uh we did we did all kinds of stuff together because I didn't know anybody. Right. So I met this guy through work and I was like, oh yeah, drink beers after work. Oh, let's go get Mexican food, mm-hmm. hang out. Let's uh, party on the weekends and forever. And he he was a piano player and he was a pretty good jazz piano player. And we'd play guitar and, and shit all the time. I got so many creepy stories that should have tipped me off about this guy. Was it like in the in the like mid nineties that you were hanging out with him? No, it was like ninety nine. Oh, okay. And 
well, he, one time I invited him, okay, I had a band called, uh, ironically enough, when I got there, I formed a little group, and it was called the Harris County Stalkers. <laughs> having no idea, it's so ironic, having no idea. Wow. I had a band called the Harris County Stalkers. Anyway, we were having a show at some club somewhere, and I invited him to come. I was like, oh, you want to come out to the show? He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, just meet me at my house, and you can ride there with me. I'm like, fine. So I went over to his house, and he's like, oh, I'm still getting ready. Well, he was putting on a fake plastic chin and a fake nose. And I'm like, what What you doing? He's like, oh, I always do this when I go out. And it looks so real that oh, yeah. they look like real prosthetics, like he really did this all the time. Well, and he, I, I had no idea. I was, was like, he's like, oh, I don't, I, there's some people that I don't want them to recognize me. I'm like, okay, that's weird. But, you know, when I was that age, I was like, I knew so many weirdos. weirdos yeah. I was like, whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah, he was putting on a plastic chin, plastic this, and then wearing, like, a weird hair, wig, and all kinds of shit. And then yeah. he would go out to the show, and after a while, I just kind of forgot that he had had it on, <laughs> stopped thinking about it. Uh, one of the strange things. Um, yeah, we he would say to me sometimes, when I was like, working with him, we were just shooting the shit, and he was like, oh, Morty, you're so cool. It's good to know you. But there's some things about me that would really shock you if you knew about it. And I'm like, ah. He's just gonna tell me that he's gay. I don't right. care. Yeah, you know. So I never like I never broached the subject. Mm-hmm. I just eh, it's okay, buddy. Like yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. I didn't think you were uh, wasting little kids and throwing him in dumpsters <laughs> of restaurants <laughs> and going to eat Holy at the restaurant. Shit. He did. He would dump these poor kids after he murdered them, and then in the dumpster at the restaurants, and then he would go into the restaurant and eat and knew like the owners and stuff. The place was called Nifta's, which I went and I've eaten with him there like several times. The place is awesome in Houston, Texas. Try to ignore the fact that there were dead bodies in the dumpster. (laughs) It wasn't their fault. Trust me, it wasn't their fault. Uh, But they had this um, tortilla lady and you could see her in the window and she was awesome. You could see her from the upstairs Mm -hmm. and there was a giant conveyor belt that went all the way from the second story to the first story. And she'd just be whipping tortillas out on this thing, and it'd come down to shoot, and it'd be like falling into baskets. Nice. And they were piping hot. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Yeah, those sound good. It's <laughs> <laughs> really good. Uh, there was one time that I went to a restaurant with this this herpes scar, and uh, <laughs> I went to a, to a restaurant with him, and it was a really really seedy, like total like less than mom and pop it's, it's more like uncle and stepdaughter <laughs> right, restaurant like it was really <laughs> dirty really dirty looking thing but the food smells you can smell it from the street smelling great authentic great mexican food but we're sitting there we're getting ready to get lunch and uh i was like yeah, i'm just gonna stay safe i'm gonna just order like some 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 tacos with like some like carne asada or something like right. that he goes, oh, wow, look, they got oysters. I'm like, tell me, don't, don't get the oysters here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get the oysters here. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, nah, man, they're going to be good. And I'm like, okay. And he gets his big plate of oysters, and they don't look the freshest, I'm telling you right now. 
Anyway, I'm just eating my tacos, and he is woofing. <laughs> he's sucking down these. <laughs> he's oh, sucking man. down these oysters. That's and I get itself. up and I look at him from when I'm like eating and I notice that the a color change has happened to his skin and it literally his skin just turned real gray like mm. as gray as the oysters he was eating. What? I was just like, "Oh, dude, your skin." He was like, "Ah, I I don't feel good. I ooh, I think I gotta go to the bathroom. And he's like, uh, you could see the sickness was like on his skin. It was like, and then he got like total horrible food poisoning, and he, oh, man. I, I had to walk back to work. But anyway, that that was well, a, he just left him there. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. It was like he's just vomiting in the bathroom. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I had to go back to work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the the thing is that. I would bring this crazy, horrible person to. I'd known I'd known him for so long. My family would have barbecues. Mm-hmm. He'd be hanging out with family, and there'd be like little cousins and nieces hanging out, Man. and he would be hanging out with the whole fam bam. But he didn't seem like awkward when there was like kids around and stuff. Not at all. Wow. Not even a little bit. That's interesting. Uh, but he did. Okay, here's here's another clue about the guy that should have tipped me off was that whenever I first went to his house, we were becoming friends. I was like, oh, let's go party, yada yada, and went to his house and he's like, see that school over there? I'm like, yeah, because he was kind of catty corner from a from a high school. I was like, I'm not supposed to be by the high school. <laughs> oh. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I can't. I'm not supposed to live within three miles of high school. <laughs> I'm like, why is that? And he said, uh. Oh, my ex-wife says I raped our daughters, and it's total bullshit because she's a bitch, and she made all this stuff up, tried to ruin my life, and it's not true. I don't know why I believed him. Mm-hmm. And now, forevermore, believe believe the victim. Yeah. Believe the victim. Yeah. Don't believe, whenever somebody whispers from you, I'm not supposed yeah. to be this close <laughs> to a high school. Yeah. Don't, don't buy that stuff. So finding this out... Um, after I shortly thereafter, my my uncle had informed me that my best friend at the time was a serial killer. <laughs> I get a phone call from the prison, and it's a collect call, and I I accept it. And he goes, he goes, man, it's a, it's crazy, man. I, they they got me on that old DNA. Da, 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 da. I'm like uh, Tony, we we're we're not friends anymore. We're not friends anymore. Oh, really? It's gonna be like that? Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. It's got to be like that. You killed you killed little children. I'm not oh, your friend shit, anymore. We're, our friendship is over. See you, dude. Oh, Bye. That's <laughs> nuts. That was nuts, but that's a that's a true story. Wow, that's amazing, man. Yeah, I and to live live imagine. live to tell tell the tale. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, this here can I tell you one more creepy story yes. about this guy? <laughs> Another thing that should have been like red flags should have really gone off like a long time ago about this cat. And uh, oh, one time we uh, were going to party for the weekend. He's like, ah, you want to get some blow? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I was in my 20s. I was like, let's go get some blow. And he stops into this, in his van. Oh, by the way, he drives a brown panel van. <laughs> should, there's another red flag. That's a total red flag. Right That's a total red flag. <laughs> so I, I was probably riding in a vehicle cool. where he had done murders oh, in. I, I know I was riding in a van that that people were murdered in. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, we go to this to this uh, car wash, and it's like, okay, why is he getting a car wash at seven o'clock? I thought we were gonna go get some cocaine, mm-hmm. and uh, he like signals to one of the guys in there, and the guy runs out, takes his money, and then comes back out with a big fat eight ball of cocaine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he's like, this place is kind of a front, and. Um, so we went and we're doing all this blow, and then he tells me he's an artist. We're in his creepy apartment where he's probably killed people in there too. Um, had no idea. Uh, could wouldn't let me use the bathroom. Yeah, I thought that was going to be really strange. That I thought it was strange that I couldn't use the bathroom, but I did peek in there and it was like loaded to the ceiling with cardboard boxes, like in oh. the ceiling stacked with trash and paper. But he'd probably murdered people in there too. Um, yeah, yeah, so it was probably paper to like absorb the blood or something. <laughs> super safe that I was. Um, yeah, right. He was probably using that to absorb all the blood. <laughs> it's so it's so it's so gross. And uh, anyway, we're doing this copious amounts of cocaine, uh, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like tracing pictures. He told me he was an artist, but what he would do was get like Victoria's Secret and Hustler and stuff like that and trace the pictures Mm -hmm. and then he would say that he he would tell me to my face that he was the one that drew him that drew him and I'm like but like uh, obviously looks traced (laughs) obviously obviously looks traced you can tell it was traced like from Hustlers and Mm -hmm. and Victoria's Secret magazines maybe some J. Crew (laughs) (laughs) I don't know but I, I've lived to tell tell the tale, and I, I definitely wasn't his type. So yeah, that's good. Damn, that's yeah. So crazy. I, well, I'm well, I'm not. I wasn't five, and right. I wasn't a little Mexican girl. Yep. So Damn, so man. what he did was super horrible, and that's a strange thing. And I feel really stupid in hindsight, but I think anybody could. Yeah, I mean, could kind of fall for that a little bit. A uh, lot of these people are are good at. Uh, keeping secrets they live these these dual lives you know where they they go to work every day and and socialize and act normal and then at night something switches and they're like i need to kill <laughs> or something i don't know what goes on but you just did the most excellent little eye twitch right there <laughs> you know what i mean you did a little arthur arthur shot like, <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know what it is but it's very interesting yeah, well, after that uh, lovely segment, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back, and you're not going to know us, because I'm just pausing the recording. And we're back. How's everybody doing? I hope you guys have a lovely new year. I hope I, I really do. And I hope this year is a lot better than last year. Or the last, yeah. Anyway, uh, he's got a, a couple more stats on the walking piece of vomit that was... Tony Shore. I was just I was just reading about some of his victims, and most of them were teenagers. There was two fourteen-year-olds, a sixteen-year-old, twenty-one-year-old, and then one that was nine years old. She was beaten up, sexually assaulted, and then strangled in Houston. Yeah, he died and was uh, killed by lethal injection. At uh, Houston Penitentiary, I don't, rem- I don't know the name. There's, uh, if you want to learn more about this, this serial killer, you can uh, tune into the Serial Killer podcast, which is hosted by this Norwegian cat, something, 
Viborg soon. And uh, he he does a 30-minute piece on Tony Shore, and he goes into more graphic detail, which is awful. I mean, it's interesting, but it's it's the the worst thing you can do is kill a kid. Yeah. And uh, that's what he did. Um, I had another interesting factoid about about this cat. Well, it was recorded that whenever he was getting his little lethal injection, he was like, his last and final words were, Ooh-wee, that does burn. <laughs> <laughs> and then he died like the rat that he was. Jeez, man. Yeah, it's, it's a very weird thing, and, and there's probably more people, probably, there's not tons of people, but there's people that they did, some of these people did have friends and people they worked with, and it's, that's just how it is. I mean, they, they existed in our world. So, and they had jobs, and they, yep. they did stuff. Unfortunately, his, some of his jobs were not with the concrete place so much, but uh, his job after he got fired from that, he was a tow truck driver, and uh, he stopped by the concrete place and said, check out my new tow truck, Marty. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's nice. Oh, check this out. You're going to love this. And he pulled out a taser that he had in that, in the behind his seat and I'm like oh wow it's like yeah some people get really mad when you're trying to tell them away and Tom and, and they get mad and I just go buddy they'll fall right now and I'll tell you that right now now in hindsight it's like oh the fucker had so could find motorists on the side of the road right. and just tase them and mm-hmm. be absolutely the horrible Satan that he was with uh, impunity mm-hmm. <laughs> So what what kind of music did he listen to? Did uh, we talk about that? We didn't talk about the kind of music. And if I re- this is going to be out of my recollection, I'm not reading off of anything right. here. Um, I think he did like heavy metal music, oh, yeah. and he loved jazz. Mm. Obviously, he was a jazz oh, right. pian- pianist. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, had dinner at a restaurant where he was playing. He was a house pianist. That was jazz. He played at yeah dinner music. At, oh. a, at a place, so he could turn. He could. He came off as a normal, right? And except with the prosthetic chin and stuff, and yeah. ears, and and, <laughs> and the wig and, and the stuff. fucking and the God, I feel so stupid. <clears throat> the rape van and the yeah, yeah. The not being allowed to be near schools. See, talk, <laughs> talk about arrested <laughs> development, or or does it bode to my complete stupidity that I didn't know? This guy with, and now with further research in the serial killers and stuff like that, which I have done because I've just got to. Anyway, this guy, <laughs> this guy is every, had every red flag, every single fucking red flag. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was awful. But we're here and we're, we're uh, going to move on now. Uh, we're going to go back into Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker who terrorized Los Angeles in the early to mid-80s. And his favorite jam was ACDC. And he uh, apparently was really influenced by a song called Night Prowler from the Highway to Hell album that came out in 1979. Okay, let's chat a little more about Ramirez. I'm going to go out on a limb, just like I said before, that his favorite song was probably, or was, Night Prowler. 
In fact, his little serial killer handle. I have a little serial killer handle. Look, <laughs> I have a little name. It's really cool because I'm a I'm the prince of Satan. <laughs> I'm, I'm Satan's servant. Anyway, he he was a night stalker. He had a couple of other uh, other ones, didn't he? Though. That's that's the most infamous. The walk-in killer, the valley intruder. That's uh, the walk-in intruder. That kind of sounds a little sexy, unfortunately. It does. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in the song, lead singer of the band ACDC at the time, Bon Scott, tells a story about a guy who creeps around in an urban landscape. By the cover of Darkness, the ne'er-do-well main character sneaks into apartments of the victims and knifes them up real good. Here are some of the lyrics verbatim. And as I search for these lyrics for the song Night Prowler, there, there's a company called Night Prowler Auto Parts. <laughs> I was like, really? You call your auto parts place? <laughs> Night Prowler Auto Parts? Yeesh. That's I'm not going I'm not I'm not getting parts from them. <laughs> like it's like where all the serial killers go to get their auto parts. <laughs> Anyway, here here are the here are the here are the lyrics of the song Night Prowler. And this is a quote. Somewhere the clock strikes midnight, and there's a full moon in the sky. You hear a dog bark in the distance, and you hear someone's baby cry. A rat runs down the alley and a chill runs down your spine. And someone walks across your grave and you wished the sun would shine. Cause no one's going to warn you and no one's going to yell attack and you don't feel the steel till it's hanging out your back. I am your night prowler, asleep in the day. Night prowler, get out of my way. I'm the night prowler. Watch out tonight. Yes, I'm the night prowler when you turn out the light. Second verse. Too scared to turn your light out cause there's something on your mind. Was that a noise outside the window? What's that shadow on the blind? As you lie there naked like a body in a tube, suspended animation as I creep into your room. I'm the night prowler, get out of my way. Look out for the night prowler, watch out tonight. Yes, I'm the night prowler when you turn out the light. And then he says, Night Prowler, I'll make a mess out of you, Night Prowler. And I'm telling this to you. There ain't nothing, there ain't nothing, nothing you can do. Shaz bot, nanu, nanu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, the singer quotes uh, Robin Williams' character <laughs> from Mork and Mindy, which was a popular show in 1979. Okay. Of course, the lunatic Richard Ramirez was caught. Of course, the sorry. Of course, the lunatic Richard Ramirez caught in in the band caught some flack. Right at the time of the Satanic Panic in the 1980s, a time when parents naturally assumed that demons were leaping out of tape decks and record players. <laughs> when being questioned about the link and effect of this song, the lead guitarist for the band said, "As I loosely remember." He said, Ah, oh, come on, mate. The song ain't about no killing. It's about a bloke who nabs his jollies from sniffing panties and the like. You know, good, clean fun. Although I agree with Mr. Angus Young on this assertion, 
But I think something had affected Richard Ramirez's mental state a lot deeper than the song. This crazy lunatic terrorized the city of Los Angeles from the mid-80s. And here comes a little wiki for you if you want some. And if you and if you guys are listening and you, and you want a more in-depth story about this crazy nut job, I'd suggest checking out the True Crime Garage podcast. Check out episode 126 and 127. The episode's called The Devil Did It. And these guys dig deep. Anyway, here's our, here's our wiki time. Ricardo Levia Munoz Ramirez. He was born February 29th, 1960, and he died June 7th, 2013. Known as Richard Ramirez, he was an American serial killer, rapist, and burglar. His highly publicized home invasion crime spree terrorized the residents of greater Los, the greater Los Angeles area and later the residents of San Francisco from June 1984 to August 1985. Prior to his capture, Ramirez was dubbed the Night Stalker by the news media. He used a wide variety of weapons, including handguns, knives, a machete, a tire iron, and uh, so much fun, a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Ramirez, who claimed to be a Satan, Satanist, never expressed any remorse for his crimes. Of course he wouldn't, because he's a horrible piece of shit. The judge who upheld Ramirez's 13 death sentences remarked that his deeds exhib- exhibited cruelty, callousness, and viciousness beyond any human understanding. Ramirez died of complications from B-cell lymphoma while awaiting execution on California's death row. Also, this crazy nut job had the ladies a swooning. So we're going to read about his romantic relationship. Well, this is in prison. By the time of the trial, Ramirez had fans who were writing him letters and paying him visits. Beginning in 1985, Doreen Leoy, it's spelled L-I-O-Y, Leoy, wrote him nearly 75 letters during his incarceration. In 1988, Ramirez proposed to Leoy, and on October 3rd, 1996, they were married in California's San Quentin State Prison, famous prison. Mm-hmm. Johnny Cash sang about that and made an excellent live album from San Quentin. Yep. For ma- many years before Ramirez's death, Leoy stated that she would commit suicide when Ramirez was executed. However, Leoy eventually left Ramirez. By some estimates, he would have been in his early 70s before his execution was carried out due to California's length, lengthy appeals process. Ooh, ooh, this is interesting. I'm not a licensed psychologist, but I have done very little research for this show. This is about the McDonald, <laughs> the, the McDonald triad. Okay, this is, a, this is a thing how they measure what will be future serial killers. Ah. It's funny that's it's called the McDonald's triad, and it's the uh, three food items for McDonald's you can eat that would <laughs> cause your intestines to explode or turn into pure <laughs> liquid shit. I don't think you need three; it's just one thing from McDonald's. I would. I'm gonna. Say, I'm gonna go with the fillet of fish. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the McDonald triad, also known as the triad of sociopathy or the homicidal triad, is a set of three factors that have been suggested, suggested if all three or any combination of the two are present together to be predictive 
of or associated with the latter violent tendencies, particularly with relation to serial offenses. The triad first first proposed by psychiatrist J.M. MacDonald, hence the MacDonald triad, thus in the, quote, threat to kill, it's a 1963 paper in the American Journal of Psychiatry. Small kale, stale, small stale. My, my small stale narration of this. Small scale studies conducted by psychiatrists Daniel Hellman and Nathan Blackman and FBI agents Johnny Douglas and Robert K. Russler, along with Dr. Ann Burgess, claim that substantial evidence for the association of these childhood patterns with later predatory behavior. Although it remains an influential and widely taught theory, subsequent research has generally not validated this line of thinking. The triad links cruelty to animals, obsession with fire setting, and persistent bedwetting past a certain age to violent behaviors, particularly homicidal behavior and sexual predatory behavior. However, other studies claim to have not found statistically significant links between the triad and violent offenders. Okay, Richard Ramirez, I know from past, just learning about this stuff. Uh, Richard Ramirez was exposed as a child to his crazy uh, Vietnam veteran cousin who he would stay with from time to time. Um, would torture he had photographs of him in Vietnam with beheaded Viet Cong holding their heads up or mm-hmm. showing their naked bodies and stuff and would show Richard pictures of those mm-hmm. um, and then one day during an argument with his wife while Richard was in the kitchen still a young young man or a little boy uh, he snuck up behind his wife after the argument while she was cooking at the stove and blew her fucking brains out right Jesus. in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, that would definitely have some some sort of effect on your development. A little, a little bit, I think. Uh, Maybe uh, I mean, it's much. It's uh, yeah, you might you might go whoa. It's much, and you know your sloppy joes are now full of brains. <laughs> How sloppy those sloppy joes were. Yeesh. Anyway, further further studies have suggested that these behaviors are actually more linked to the childhood experience of parental neglect. Pay attention to your kids. Mm-hmm. Are, are brutality and abuse. Don't be brutal or abuse your kids. Some argues some argue these in turn results in homicidal pro- proneness. The triad concept as a particular combination of behaviors linked to violence may not have any particular validity, and is called this theory an urban legend. I'm more interested in the in neurosis, the unintentional bedwetting. Like, how is that part of the triad? It's just weird to me. Uh, well, the bedwetting and whenever you're a little older, like, say, you're 10, 11, right, yeah. 12, 13, 14, 15, 72. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that, the continued bedwetting is also probably a... It's, I think they're saying that it's they're probably sort of from neglected. a past trauma or a neglect or something like right. that triggers... You to, they're too scared to fucking get up and go pee or something or whatever. Well, they're or, asleep and they piss in the, piss in the bed. Could be from some childhood neglect or abuse. Yeah. Um, Richard Ramirez, uh, our star, the star of this podcast, or one of the two stars of the podcast. Uh, Richard Ramirez has scored a thirty-one 
slash or forward slash 40 on Hare's psychopathy checklist, which makes him a primary psychopath. A primary psychopath. However, despite that score, it could be possible that Ramirez meets the criteria of a malignant narcissist or sociopath. You don't say. This could, <laughs> this could be because he was rather sadistic in his crimes. He may have also been suffering from schizophrenia as well. Yeah. So that that being said, yeah, yeah, the the McDonald Triad, and also uh, to continue, I'm, I know I I digress and then fall off topic altogether, but also part of Richard Ramirez's childhood. His mother, while he was in the womb, worked in a horrible uh, shoe factory that was using all kinds of chemicals. I think it was a shoe factory. Don't If, if I'm wrong, don't tell me about it because I don't care. <laughs> um, she worked in a factory where a lot of chemicals were in the air with no breathing apparatus or any, any masks mm-hmm. of any sort. So she was inhaling probably lead and all kinds of other right. crazy yeah. fumes from glue and stuff and that like stuff that. stuff can make you crazy in itself just by just by inhaling that stuff absolutely and i think when he was 5 he was playing and a vest and a and a vestibule <laughs> fell fell on his head so it fell down on top of him and cracked his skull real good yeah that'll do some damage so there there's your part of a try i think he had he he didn't he had the mcdonald's buffet <laughs> of <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So he he the kid didn't stand a fuck a chance. Yeah. Um his favorite food was candy. He liked candy. <laughs> he ate a lot of candy. What kind of candy though? You know, I don't like know. Chocolate. I don't know. Can you do a quick little search? Let's find out what kind of candy Let's did Richard see. like? What kind of I'll just Google that. I bet he liked Smarties and he liked baby Ruth. Well, Paul couldn't find anything. They they didn't go into the specifics about uh, his favorite little candy snacks, but uh, Paul's got an interesting tidbit that he pulled up. Well, they just I just found an article that said how gross his teeth were and how they actually helped to catch and convict him. So, um, while he was still at large, he probably liked the caramel stuff. When you bite it, <laughs> like the chocolate, then you're. Like taffies or something. <laughs> taffy. <laughs> we, we don't want to bring down the taffy industry with this episode, but you know what? If I have to bring down the taffy. <laughs> I never like taffy, dude, honestly. You don't gross. like Laffy Taffy? <laughs> I like Laffy Taffy, but Laffy like the salt water taffy. Oh, no, that shit's gross. Yeah. No, Laffy Taffy's delicious. You, you fucking <laughs> serial killer. <laughs> yeah. It's um, okay. And it, it's all right. I've been shooting... Uh, Shooting up heroin into my toes, <laughs> toes, and eating laffy taffy. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> so anyway, yeah, he had terrible teeth. Um, uh, his his dental hygiene was uh, was an issue since he was young. He actually wrote a book, The Night Stalker: The Life and Crimes of Richard. Oh no, he didn't write it. I was Philip say- Carlo um, okay. said that uh, he would start the day drinking Coca Cola and eating sugar covered cereal. And then, according to his friend, his classmate Ray Garcia, he would never brush his teeth. He said, I used to tell him to close his mouth or brush his teeth. His sweet tooth followed him into a life of petty crime. Um, and he was, as a teenager, he was always stealing um, junk food. But <laughs> his lack of hygiene and his love of sweets combined with the damaging oral effects of drugs 
cause him to develop several cavities. Uh, okay, what kind of what kind of drugs suggest that? I wonder, did he like, like the speedy stuff? Yeah, meth, fucking crack. Was meth a thing in the eighties? I think. Oh yeah. Okay, meth. I thought it was like the crack and shit like that. But, Probably more. Crack, but meth, but... meth has always been around. It was just called speed. Yeah. They just called the shit speed. Yep. And crank has been around forever. Yep. So yeah, I guarantee that motherfucker was on some crank. And definitely, dude. If you have you seen pictures of him, he's totally a fucking tweaker. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you gotta be kind of tweaky if your main hobby is <laughs> skulking around at nighttime and and eating candies, killing people. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that shit makes you paranoid. So if you're a paranoid person wanting to blend in with the darkness, yeah, yeah, it all kind of coincides. Yeah, I want to find out what how his teeth got him convicted. I'm just trying to find out this where this article is kind of lame. But anyway, the the I guess the make the, it exciting with the, your <laughs> intriguing voice. The gist of it there is, it is there's that voice. His his teeth was uh, used as a hole was a hole in his alibi. So, before he was arrested in the summer, he was almost arrested during a traffic stop after being pulled over for running a red light in a stolen vehicle. The officer asked Ramirez if he was the serial killer. Ramirez denied it, then fled on foot. Searching the car for clues, the officer found, among other things, a wallet and a dentist's appointment card. So the police attempted to stake out the dentist's office, but Ramirez never showed up. That said, the dentist still proved useful. During Ramirez's trial, the defense team called his father, Julian Ramirez, to the stand, and Julian claimed that his son had been with the family in El Paso the days that he raped and killed uh, Florence Lang and Mabel Bell and Carol Kyle, but Dr. Luang's records showed that Ramirez had been getting dental work done in L.A. the same day. Oh. So that's how it helped. That's how it helped convict him or catch him. <laughs> if I could, I'm gonna. This guy was one of the most notorious worst serial killers ever. Uh, one thing positive I can say about Richard Ramirez is he definitely wasn't an ageist mm. because his victims. I think he was raping like 85 year olds. Yeah. It. I don't I'd think it. The... I don't think it m- mattered to him. I, I think he was a hetero, but he the age made no difference to this guy because they could be really young middle age yeah any old age yeah. i don't care as long as you, there's a heartbeat because he wasn't a necrophiliac i don't think i wonder what it was though there had to have been something about the person that you know it's probably just because since he was such a narcissistic narcissist sociopath yeah that he was just like some form of control right like being such a puny loser mm-hmm. like when you're taking when you're taking somebody's <laughs> life and and sometimes he would like kill his victims and he'd go in there and make sammies he'd make himself a little sammy and mm-hmm. have a snack mm-hmm. in their in, in their houses and then take off he was pretty uh, there was one and I, and like I said there's a better podcast check out the true crime garage they'll mm-hmm. go into way better detail than I am but yeah one where uh this lady got the drop on him because he killed her husband in the bed, but uh, snuck into their house, killed her husband. But uh, she pulled out the gun they kept behind the bed and she aimed it at him and he like freaked out. And then she pulled the trigger and it goes click. Oh, damn. And he's just like, oh, it's on now. Oh, it was on. He, <laughs> he really killed the holy living shit out of her. Damn. And it was, I'm not going to go into it because I don't have the information 
in front of me. I'm doing this right. out of memory, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was super brutal. He was a hyper brutal, brutal killer. He would sometimes uh, take the eyeballs out, which there's other serial killers that do that because they say that the the reflection, the eyes hold the reflection of the killer in their eyes yeah. so it destroys evidence uh, Andre Chiclatillo we'll probably go into him I don't know if he listened to music so we won't maybe go into him right. but he was a <laughs> Russian serial killer in the 80s or, or late early 90s and um, yeah yeah the, the the capture of the eyes though is that's that's what paranoid people do because right. they think yeah. some hoodoo wizardry like their eyes are it's like if the cops see their eyes they'll see my face yep kind of a thing and yeah. or, and it also probably goes with some Russian folklore as well but yeah. I don't think Richard Ramirez is that a Russian last name I'm kidding it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no no it's no. not but Chiclatillo is <laughs> anyway um, yeah we got just a little bit more to go I'm having a blast here guys thank, thank you for tuning in and we got just a little bit more and taking a break okay we got some quotes from Richard Ramirez. Paul's going to lay some on us. And uh, let's hear the dark, demon-leaping, satanic, demonry, demon tones of Richard Ramirez's famous quotes. In the end, we all die, and nothing really matters. Profound. Serial killers do, on a small scale, what governments do on a large one. They are products of our times, and these are bloodthirsty times. Oh, that one was almost pretty good. That <laughs> was kind of good. <laughs> <laughs> Even psychopaths have emotions. Then again, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> My mother and father used to take me to church in Mexico and Texas, where I used to live. The huge figures of saints and crucifixions. Religion played a big role in my life. That's a stupid one. You don't understand me. You're not expected to. You're not capable of it. I am beyond your experience. Choose Taffy. <laughs> Do you have any more laughing, Taffy? <laughs> Give me that salt water, Taffy. I've been accused of almost every crime you can imagine. Okay. I am beyond your experience. I am beyond good and evil. Legions of the night. Night breed. Repeat not the errors of the night stalker and show no mercy. Pops a couple gumdrops. <laughs> <laughs> in today's society people use those qualities I call them qualities for all things it is for self-gratification it is for sex it is for excitement this kind of fever severs its own purpose it doesn't obey rules it runs amok you see it on the news every day but society cannot hang its moral and ethical values on me to survive I do what I must in all ways and I'm proud of it. The necessity to be myself passes all moral barriers. Downs pixie stick. <laughs> <laughs> the sex drive is the most Achoo. important and powerful behavior in mankind. Say that one again. The sex drive is the most important and powerful behavior in mankind. Okay. The media has portrayed me as a cold-hearted, ruthless monster, but I'm really not that way. I'm very down-to-earth, so... At that time, I let people think whatever they want to. You see or hear about the crimes and then imagine what kind of individual was behind them. Mm, no, you're pretty much a piece of shit. <laughs> Pops a Rolo. <laughs> a Rolo. 
<laughs> I don't believe in the hypocritical moralistic dogma of this so-called civilized society. Snorts a line of lickum sticks. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. <laughs> we are all evil in some form or another, are we not? Junior Mint. <laughs> 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 I'm pretty set in my ways. I doubt anything short of a miracle would change me. I do have an open mind, and I listen to them. Exactly seven razzles. <laughs> seven. <laughs> I gave up love and happiness a long time ago. Uh, sounds like a country song, Richard. Here's when he was talking about the... When I was 11, I had an episode in my life. I saw my cousin shoot his wife. It wasn't traumatic, but the shock value. I went back into the apartment to collect my things with my dad because my cousin was in jail the bed was all bloody it was there where she had landed after the bullet she got a 38 to the face do you have any more good in plenties <laughs> blood is a substance that allows any living thing to exist but blood is blood i have heard of people drinking each other's blood they cut each other and then they drink it and it's supposed to be a euphoric feeling but blood has no special interest for me I can't believe you have an entire plate of Nanaimo bars. <laughs> Everyone plays a role and no one says what's truly on their mind. Are those Twinkies? <laughs> Everybody has got good and evil in them. I'd like to be 100% evil, but I can't. Because I have to eat these Twinkies first. <laughs> I was not aware of my actions. Everyone must find out who they are and be aware of their actions before they wind up in a vicious predicament. Have you ever tried the chocolate donuts by hope? <laughs> when the state comes to execute a man, they laugh. So do I. And Satan said, zingers are superior to any other fudge-covered snack cake. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have heard of the Cecil Hotel, a famous hotel in is it Los yeah, Angeles. LA, yeah. yeah, in L.A. Uh, this hotel has had many many crazy people and strange events happen here but one of its residents was none other than the star of this podcast mr richard ramirez and paul's going to elaborate mr dick ramirez murderer of 13 people and better known as the night stalker he lived in a room on the top floor of the hotel during much of his horrific killing spree after killing someone, he would throw his bloody clothes into the Cecil's dumpster and saunter into hotel lobby either completely naked or only in underwear, none of which would have raised an eyebrow, since the Cecil in the 1980s was a total unmitigated chaos. At the time, Ramirez was able to stay there for a mere $14 a night, and with the corpses of junkies reportedly found in the alleys near the hotel, and sometimes even in the hallways, mm. Ramirez's blood-soaked lifestyle surely raised nary an eyebrow at the Cecil. Wow. You know, <laughs> you, 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 you're, you're a California native. Uh, yeah. is, is it still like that? Is it still... Uh, as far as I know, it's just a... Uh, I think it's... I don't even think it's a hotel anymore. I think it's used as a... as like a homeless shelter. And I think it's only like the bottom floor. Oh, wow. Or it's completely abandoned. It's just a... It's just a shithole now. I mean, if you believe in ghosts and that sort of thing, it's supposed to be, like, super haunted. And it's also famous for the story of Lisa Lamb, who ended up 
in the water tank on the roof mm-hmm. dead and then I think people might have actually been drinking her corpse water yep which is that's how they found out because people were like this water tastes like shit <laughs> tastes like a dead body what the hell yeah yeah it, and you can find out more just go look and look at the Cecil Hotel yeah but Richard Ramirez was uh, definitely a uh, resident there for quite a while and if you're going to be a sick scumbag serial killer, just like Tony Shore was a, a tow truck driver, there's no, that's a perfect job for a serial killer. And the Cecil Hotel is a perfect home mm-hmm. for some paranoid, crazy, taffy chomping madman. And <laughs> <laughs> you see him like with his arms up in the air, just. <laughs> I need more taffy. <laughs> give me, give me all of the taffy. <laughs> yes, yes, I said there. I said it, all of the taffy. Yeah. Oh, we we also uh, kind of skipped on a famous serial killer because we're probably gonna do. There's, we're not an all serial killer podcast, but there's definitely gonna be more serial killers mm. in, in, in the episode in the episodes to come. Um, I'd like to thank you all for listening, uh, but but I said that too soon because we haven't talked about what Ted Bundy, ah. the uh, phony, yuppie, totally most infamous American, if he's not the most infamous yep. American serial killer, I think he might be. And and what what did what did Ted like to listen to, Paul? Um, Ted Ted Bundy was a big fan of talk radio. If I if I recall correctly. So so I wonder what the Rush Limbaugh is of the day because he was a super Republican dude. <laughs> so he was probably listening to that crap, you know? And yep. that's and hence don't listen to Republican talk radio <laughs> or else you're going to beat a bunch of people to death with a log and have sex with the corpses. Yep. It's dangerous. It's just, very dangerous. Just stay away. Don't do that. Uh it, are you guys enlightened? Do you guys or do you guys feel more stupider for having listened to this? <laughs> if the answer is both, then we've done our job. Yes. Let us know in the comments how you feel. You say anything mean, or or just completely assholeish, you're just going to be blocked and and you because I don't. There's there's none of, none of that. I I will not tolerate. We're nice people, and we expect you to be nice too. Uh, we will have a Facebook page up next week, and it should be fun. I, I've actually already started it, um, got a few people on it. It's called the Killer Podcast Forum, and uh, they'll be up so we, we can have little conversations online. It'll be really fun. Everybody can join in, or maybe even you can prick our ears with some, <laughs> with some stories uh, that might re- pertain to darkness and music. Um, but we're going to be back next week with another banger. So please stay tuned to that. And you guys have an excellent week. Be lovely to each other. There's no sense in being mean to each other because it just ruins everybody's time. Don't be a taffy-chewing, cereal-killing, <laughs> bad oyster-eating, <laughs> madman, tow truck-driving fuckhead. Be really cool. And be, ni- be, be nice to everybody. How fucking hard is it? Just be cool, fuckers. Adiós.